Hello and welcome to another episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous. This is officially our last audio-only episode, which I am so fucking happy about and very excited for. I officially hired a podcast producer, and next week we are doing our first ever video podcast, which will be on YouTube. I already have another video podcast scheduled for after. I have two really, really dope guests lined up for both of them, and... I'm hoping, I'm manifesting, I'm praying that it just snowballs and continues into a much bigger, greater thing. So I'm really excited about that. I'll also finally be able to put the podcast studio that I've talked so much about to use because the producer like kind of taught me how to actually work the equipment and all that stuff. So instead of me sitting in the room spending seven hours figuring out how to work the microphones, I now actually know how to do it. Am I still recording this in my closet for now? Yes, I am. But this is the last time, the last time that I will be doing that. So with that being said, I think I'm just going to start next week. We're going to, it's season two. We're on, it's a new page. It's a new chapter. We're video baby. We're YouTube. We are we're that girl, okay? We're that girl next week. This is the last episode of Broke Bitch Anonymous Season 1. I believe it's the 26th episode, something like that. So I'm feeling good about that, even though I did miss an episode last week because there was just a lot going on. There was a lot going on, and I have actually also just not been feeling great. Like, I've been laying really low the temptation for me to say, if I don't post and I go ghost, it's gone before a reason. Who said that? I think Gunna said that. Uh, free Gunna, by the way. Whoever said that, the temptation for me to just say that and just disappear completely is very strong right now. It's very strong, but I also care a lot about this podcast and I don't want to just disappear until I feel like reappearing again. So here we are. And there are some things I want to talk about today. One thing that I think is a fitting note to end Broke Bitch Anonymous season one on. And I've talked about this subject in different ways through different lenses in the past, but this time I want to just talk about it through, well, we'll get there. Let's start with this. I believe the idea of hard work as we know it is changing, has changed drastically. The idea of going to college to then work 40 to 50 hours a week to be a cog in the machine, I don't know how to call it, but to work for someone else as a means to ultimate success is not really the vibe anymore. The vibes have shifted. The vibes have changed. If you go on any social media platform now, You'll see thousands, millions of of younger people traveling the world, starting their own businesses, living their dreams, all through this idea of they are worthy of achieving whatever they want and they can achieve whatever they want. And when they're asked how they are able to sustain these things, I have noticed, and especially with the girlies who travel constantly like every week they're in Turkey or Dubai or Paris or whatever I follow a lot of these girls on TikTok and whenever they're asked how do you sustain your lifestyle how did you build this lifestyle for yourselves for yourself and usually these girls are like 22 23 they always answer with I manifested it for myself I manifested it 
So what the fuck does that mean? Because for me, when I first heard about manifesting, I don't remember when it was, but I know that every time I've been forced to interact with this idea, my first gut instinct always is to be a hater. One thing about me, I will be a hater. I don't care. I'm a hater. And I don't think that the hatred comes from a place of not believing necessarily. Although I do have a lot of skepticism about manifesting and we'll, we'll get into that. But I think the, hate, the hatred comes from a place of fear. Like, I don't want to, I'm scared to let go of the things that I was taught. The things that I was taught, which is that hard work equals success, which is that hard work is the most important thing, which is that hustling is, a, is the most valuable and precious thing a person can do in their lifetime. That's, that was what was programmed into me. And I don't really want to let go of that because that's scary. Because that means that I've been doing it wrong for the last 30 years. And I don't want to feel like I wasted the last fucking, well, 30 years. That's an exaggeration because it's not like I was hustling from when I was two months old. But let's say the last 12 years from when I was 18. 12 years is a long time to waste. And I don't want to, I'm scared to rearrange my thought pattern into something that is different. Even if that different thing seems to be working for a lot of people, a lot of people that are both younger and older than me. And one of the, I think, most prolific and popular now and powerful manifesting coaches, somebody that I think actually is more or less the real deal in this world. And there's a lot of people that are not the real deal. And I want to touch on that too. But someone that is more or less the real deal is this woman, Abraham Hicks, who is an inspirational speaker. She's written like nine books on the law of attraction. Her And I love this, her audio recordings that she's in her 70s now and her audio recordings, you know, are from the last like date over decades. They're old. She's old. She's been doing this shit. She is not jumping on the trend in 2022 saying, okay, manifest your trip to Dubai, girls. No, she's been in this space. And her recordings have continued to go viral recently. And I keep being forced to interact with them. And a lot of them say things like, there's enough money. You've done everything you can do. All you need to do is like let go and, and allow what is meant to be to be in your experience. I totally butchered that. But she's someone that my initial reaction is to not hate, but to be curious. Because I'm like, okay, you've been doing this. You're clearly not just selling us snake oil for the sake of building your own brand. Your brand is built. You're 70 something. I don't think you care about going viral on TikTok anymore. I could be wrong, but the intention feels more pure. And I think the intention is very important when it comes to all of these pseudo manifestation gurus that a lot of us, whether we like it or not, are forced to interact with now on a daily basis through the internet. The intention of wanting to help people versus wanting to scam people. You feel what I'm saying? And maybe that's where my initial hatred of manifestation comes from because you can never really be 100% sure. And when you watch people build these giant followings off of selling this idea, 
whether you want to call it snake oil or something real, what they're really doing is to some extent they're convincing people to be delusional. Like there are so many gurus online now that have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers that have built their followings off of convincing people to be delusional, to believe that they can achieve whatever they want through the power of their thoughts. That's insane to me. Are thoughts powerful? Yes, of course. But we should be automatically skeptical of that, in my opinion. Even though I do think you need to be delusional to some extent to get through life. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be delusional in believing that your business is going to work because most businesses fail. So to start the business to keep going, to mentally convince yourself to keep going, you need to be delusional. Most of us are not millionaires yet. We need to be delusional in believing that our lives are going to be financially viable until we're 80 when mathematically speaking, they're not right now. Like you need to delude yourself to stay calm in this world because this world is insane. You need to be delusional in believing that you will meet the love of your life. You need, you need to be delusional. And even if you don't meet them, you need to delude yourself into thinking that the person you did meet is the love of your life. Whether or not it's healthy or not, it's almost besides the point. To survive in the world, you need to be delusional to some extent, I think. And if you are unable to feed yourself some of a a healthy dose of delusion, I think that's where a lot of anxiety comes from. I think that's where a lot of anxiety has come from for me. Because as much as it's not like, oh, I'm a realist and I just see things for how they are. No, but my inherent skepticism about everything has made it really hard for me to just be positive and believe that things are going to be okay. That's like the hardest thing in the world for me. So delusion to some extent is important. And maybe our newfound tenacity to buy and also sell delusion comes from the fact that we are living in an increasingly chaotic world. I don't know if it's just me and what I have personally been going through. Maybe it's a combination of both, but the world more and more feels like it is on fire, okay? Look, when we look around, like, and I know this is, as humans, we have a tendency to do this. Like, when COVID hit, we're like, the world is ending. When, you know, certain major global news events happen, we have a tendency to be like, well, this is insane. We're living in the craziest time. So I don't want to exaggerate it. But things do feel psycho right now. Like, everything is through the roof expensive. Groceries, gas, normal shit you need to survive is more expensive than it's ever been. But we're not making more money. We are allegedly on the brink of a recession, which makes more sense than anything else. But at the same time, like, everything from basic human rights, women's rights, Roe versus Wade is potentially about to be repealed, which is scary. Whatever your thoughts are on abortion, like, I don't think it will necessarily, I mean, it's impossible for it to affect every state. But the idea that like, this is a conversation we're having is insane to me. Like we should, 
it should just be left as it is. The idea that we will potentially be living in a state of affairs that is more archaic than our mothers and grandmothers is crazy. And then also, like, there's still a war. There's still all of these other global food shortages and supply chain shortages happening. There's a baby for, like, we can't feed our infants. It's not great. And that's just, like, this past weekend, there were two mass shootings in America. Like, one officially racially charged. It was a white supremacist. Like, every fucking day you look at the news and for some reason there's some dumbass story that they try and make the main headline like Amber Heard and Johnny Depp on trial or whatever who cares but like that's not that shouldn't be the focus there's all of these very real things going on that are very concerning the world is crazy right now and then also like this is just Atlanta specific but like Young Thug, Gunna, all of YSL, like, come on, man, what is going on? It's a mess right now. And then, you know, all of us, we're people, we live in the world, so we have our own personal things that we deal with. Like, it's not easy. And it's especially not easy right now. And so maybe our tendency to want to believe in delusion, which manifestation is a branch of delusion, in my opinion, comes from this fact, like we're looking for answers in an increasingly chaotic world. And we're looking for answers that don't really cost very much. Manifesting is free. For me, though, I think that when we start talking about manifesting more in depth, we also have to talk about religion. Like I, as I've become older, have become increasingly religious. I was always raised Catholic, but I think because it was like shoved down my throat, like I had to go to First Communion, you know, we had to go to church, like my, when we went to Poland, my uh, aunt, who was a literal nun, would force me to go to confession and confess my sins to this creepy weirdo priest in Polish, like, because it was so forced down my throat, I resented it when I started to become, like, able to think for myself. I remember when I was around 12, 13, and I learned that you know, in the Catholic Church, they teach that, like, gay people are, like, evil and, like, really bad and sinners and all this other stuff. I started to question. I was like, fuck that. Like, this is wrong. I don't agree with this. Like, this is so... Even as a kid, I didn't have the vocabulary, but I was like, this is just a really fucked up, dogmatic, toxic way of thinking. I don't agree with this. Like, this is sad that you know, people think this way. And I kind of started to feel like I had been brainwashed as a kid because I had been. Like, my aunt, who's a nun, would literally drive me around to convents, like where nuns live in Poland. And they would all like gather around me and be like, you're going to become a nun. I swear to God, this is real. They'd be like, you're all, you're going to become a nun when you're older. We would go to all of these, uh, like sacred places where Jesus had allegedly been and like touch the same bell that Jesus touched and all this stuff. And I was so young. I was like eight, nine years old. Like you're too young to really fully be able to think for yourself then. You're trusting in the adults around you still. And when I started to have my own awareness, I was really, really resentful of how I was raised in the Catholic Church because I was like, you guys fucking brainwashed me. Like, this is fucked up. But now that I'm older and I have like gone on my own path of spirituality or religion or whatever you want to call it, 
I have found myself like gravitating closer to God and I talk to God multiple times a day now. Maybe it's partially for selfish reasons because I'm like, please, God, like, let my driving today be okay. Please, God, like, let this podcast, you know, be this and that. But everyone, I think, develops their own relationship with God as they get older, if they choose to believe in that, if that's, if they have that faith. But manifesting is, I guess, a more vague, spiritual way of talking to some higher entity. And for some people, that entity is just God. For some people, prayer is their form of manifesting. And so whether or not you call it prayer, whether or not you call it manifesting, as I have warmed up to the idea of, I guess, manifesting in the way that we understand it now, One of my favorite things to say that I've been saying recently, and I'm just going to say it, like every time I try to talk about these types of things, like in any sort of spiritual way, I feel like an intruder. Like, I feel like I'm not supposed to be in this conversation. Like everybody who's listening is looking at me like, Claudia, leave. Like, this is not your lane. Like, just shut up. Like, you don't belong here. So I'm just going to say it anyways. (laughs) But um, I think, you know, everyone should be able to talk about these things. And especially I think it's important to have conversations that involve questioning like things and not just fully being in support of them. And I'm going to have some like manifestation gurus, I think, eventually come on the show because I want to hear their perspective, too. But anyway, one of my favorite things to say, to repeat, to remind myself every day is I've been saying show me how good it can get. Who am I saying that to? Well, that's up to you to determine. But think about it. Like, just if you repeat this daily, absorb this mentality. Like, show me how good it can get. Automatically, you're reprogramming your mind from something that was potentially negative because if you're anything like me, negativity and finding all of the potential bad outcomes is much easier than focusing on what could go right. But when you say, show me how good it can get, you start picturing how good it can get. Like, what could happen next? Whatever you thought was the final destination, no, now it's just the stepping stone. Like, show me how good it can get. So I really like that. And I do think that it has helped me grow into the person that I am becoming now, whether or not that you want to call it manifesting or not. Like some could argue that I manifested this house. You could argue that I manifested the podcast room downstairs. And while I was building it and investing in it and working towards it, saving up enough to actually do it, I had this echo in the back of my mind, like show me how good it can get. And now that I have this solidified, I'm already looking like at the nicer house and how I will get there. But I'm not just saying, show me how good it can get and lying down and doing nothing. I'm like actively planning like, okay, how can I make, you know, the other $500,000 I'm going to need to buy the house that I want next? Like, okay, how are we actually doing this? You need a game plan as much as you need the positive affirmations or manifestations or beliefs. But... The positive words, I think, are very, very, very useful tools 
when it comes to building your own success, if only because also something I have realized recently is that there will be times in your life where you can't mentally, mentally, what am I saying? You can't, this is why I haven't recorded a podcast, you guys, my brain is like mush right now. Okay, there will be times in your life where you can't mentally or physically work. Like for whatever reason, whether you're sick, whether you're dealing with a family situation, whether you're dealing with a move, whether you're dealing with an unexpected life situation, like there will be times where life forces you to take a time out. Even for the, you know, the biggest hustlers, the biggest workaholics, there will be times in everyone's life, everything has a season, right? Like there will be times for everyone where your life is going to force you to sit your ass down on the couch and just think about, just think, because that's all you're going to have time to fucking do. Think and watch Real Housewives. And as I have been going through a phase like this recently, I've realized that it's okay, and maybe I'm saying this again so I, in an attempt once again to believe it, but I do, at least partially at this point, believe that it's okay to be going through a season of your life where you're not constantly working. It's it's okay. Like, we don't need to be working all the time. And I think that's where the power of manifestation, prayer, once again, whatever you want to call it, comes in. And when you are going through a season of your life that is like this, where you're unable to actually work, being able to sustain your creativity, your motivation, your just the ability to have a positive outlook on the future, manifesting is a very important tool. I think that can help a lot of people through these periods of our lives that are inevitable. They're going to happen. We are all going to need to take breaks sometimes, whether we like it or not, whether we wanted to take the break or not, it's going to happen. And this brings me to my second point, which is yet another trend that I have been seeing everywhere. And I think the two really bleed into each other. And it's something, once again, that my initial reaction is to be a hater of. But I'm so intrigued. I'm so intrigued. I have to discuss it. Living a soft life. The idea that you don't feel the need to be doing stuff all the time anymore. And especially not to be showing what you're doing all the time. For everything you do to be on the softer side of things. You're not always looking for the next place to go out, to party or to meet guys. You're not always looking to be seen. Instead, you're comfortable just being alone and doing whatever makes you happy. You're comfortable not forcing yourself to work constantly, to prove something constantly, to chase someone constantly. You're comfortable knowing that that shit that you want will come to you because it's meant for you. If it was meant for, if it's meant for you it will come to you and you live in that space. You live in that comfort of knowing that it's going to be okay. You don't have to be constantly putting yourself out there. The definition of a soft life given to me by our favorite trusted source TikTok is as follows. A life of ease, peace, comfort and intentional happiness does not require struggle of, stress or distress. Essentially and 
the way that this has been paraphrased in many other pieces of content is a soft life is opting out of struggle in all forms. However, and this is the critical part, you're opting out of struggle while also doing the bare minimum. You book flights, you don't think about it. You take yourself for a fancy dinner, you don't think about it. You go treat yourself to some designer bag, you don't think about how much money it was. You do what you want, and you don't really care very much about the consequences. Now, this is what makes me mad, okay? Because do you know how much stress you're potentially signing yourself up for down the line if you're only doing the bare minimum while spending money like it doesn't matter? Because let me tell you from somebody who's been there, who has done the bare minimum while spending money like it doesn't matter, you are signing the future version of yourself up for fucking chaos, bro. Yes, maybe you'll meet your Prince Charming and they'll pay off all your debts. Or maybe you won't. Or maybe your Prince Charming will end up being a scammer that just causes more problems in your life than you even expected. Like, there are so many variables that could happen in this situation. I'm not saying prepare for doomsday, but to be selling a lifestyle that is pretty much treat yourself no matter the situation is not only retarded, but also frustrating. Like... I guess the privilege and the ability to live a soft life ideally is equal parts financial and also spiritual. Like, ideally, you have to be financially secure enough to not work yourself to the bone while also being able to treat yourself in whatever way you feel like. However, I will say that to be in that situation already is very, very rare. And usually, unless you were born with a silver spoon born wealthy, born in a very privileged situation, usually to get to that point in your life where you don't have to work very hard and you're financially free takes a lot of work, takes a lot of legwork, takes a lot of grinding. It is not a soft life that usually gets you there. I'm just being realistic. I I, I don't know if I'm sounding more like a hater, but anyway. And then spiritually, I guess, You have to be in tune with yourself enough to be secure in not always feeling the need to chase the next thing. Not always feeling the need to chase the next shiny, exciting thing. So ultimately, to live a soft life is to be unbothered. Unbothered by everything. And to just be in your own pleasant, amazing world. I wish this was possible, but what happens to anger in this world? What happens to anger in our quest to live a soft life? This is where I am automatically skeptical because I will be the first person to admit I am an angry person. There are so many things that make me angry every day that I just ignore mostly as a means of survival because especially as women... We have been taught that anger is ugly. It's not feminine. It's not a nice quality. It's aggressive. And while, you know, men may be more dominant and potentially even more respected when they're angry, their anger always somehow feels more justifiable, more justified. For women, if you're angry, 
the conclusion of that anger is you're usually just going to end up being called a bitch or worse. Like anger is something that we have been taught to avoid. It's not a feminine, nice quality. And while like, maybe I'm just mad, I don't know, but there's so many things that piss me off every day. Even literally right before I started recording this podcast, somebody from Toronto hit me up, he DM'd me on Twitter, ew, already I'm mad that you're DMing me on Twitter, and then asked me what you've been working on lately, ew, we haven't talked in three years, ew, go away, like you're annoying me, you're making me mad. There's so many things that especially men do on a day-to-day basis that for my own self-preservation, I will not get into, but anger is something that I think in a lot of ways, while we're taught to avoid it, is healthy. I I think especially when it comes to getting over certain situations in life, whether you want to call that healing or not, whatever you want to call it, Anger is a natural step, a natural progress point of a lot of things that we go through in life. Like, I've had a situation recently where someone really fucked me over. Like, really royally fucked me over. And I can't wait to get into it more eventually. But pretty much gaslit me into making me feel like the whole situation was my fault and just dipped, just disappeared, like really fucked me over in a in a deep and profound way. And at first, I felt like so sad for the situation and just so desperate to just get them back in some way so we could talk it through and whatever. I just felt helpless, but as I have worked through the situation like I realized I'm so angry. Like, how dare they? How fucking dare they? And so in a lot of ways, anger is critical. And to live this soft life where everything is, you know, you're just not bothered is a really toxic way of being, I think. I think that anger you know, obviously you can't spend your whole life being pissed off, but to allow yourself to be angry is one of the most important things you can allow yourself to do. And I say that especially for women who were taught to not ever be angry, which is so unhealthy. Like you have to let that shit out. However, I think still, and one of the reasons I wanted to touch on this Because there is a good part in this soft life mentality. And that is being comfortable alone. I think just like we will all experience periods of time in our lives where we can't really work. I think we also will experience periods of times in our lives where we will have to be alone. Whether it's through some kind of forced isolation like a quarantine or through feeling like you don't really relate to anyone or through outgrowing friendships, outgrowing relationships, breakups, moving to new cities, new countries. There are so many situations in life where all of us will be forced to be alone at one point or another. And I'm going through a situation like that now where I've been spending a lot of time alone 
And to be able to do that comfortably and with acceptance of the situation, I think is really important. And also to know that like you and your company is enough. Like so often we're told that you need to have a support system. You need to have, you know, a bunch of girlfriends and a boyfriend to go for dinner with. You should be, if you feel sad, just go out with your girlfriends, all this stuff. But ultimately, as you get older, you're going to outgrow a lot of friendships. And sometimes even the friendships you don't outgrow, sometimes hanging out with those people still feels more taxing than being alone. I think sometimes you go through periods of your life where I'm not sure if this is going to make sense, but something in you almost just tells you to keep quiet and keep to yourself just so that you can maybe find more mental clarity in a situation you're going through. I'm not sure if that's too vague, but something in you, your gut just tells you, you know, lay low for now, like keep to yourself because ultimately also just because you have a big support system, that doesn't mean that all of those people are necessarily for you. And that part is the part that sucks the most. But very often, like, who actually, think about it, who actually checks up on you? For me, like, almost no one. I don't want to say no one. I don't want to completely discount my friends, but pretty much no one. I will go days. And, you know, phones work two ways. I can be checking up on people too, but who's really for you? Like when you really need something, when you're really going through something, who's really for you? Not a lot of people It for me. I, I mean, if I'm going to answer that question. So as much as, you know, it's fun to go out and it's fun to be social and go to parties and go to barbecues and stuff like that. It's also really important to actually see relationships for what they are and be very deeply comfortable with being by yourself because very often our friends don't even care that much about us. Like, I hate to say that, but it's it's just the truth. I mean, I'm grateful to have a few really good friends in my life. I think I've, you know, never had a million friends, but that's just... Yeah, that's what it is. So being able to be alone is, I think, a positive thing when we talk about this soft life experience. And there's also this idea of deserving, of deserving a life of luxury, a life of being pampered without necessarily working for it, which I'm not even mad at that. Like, I'm concerned for you if you are booking tickets and spa dates and buying all this shit without necessarily thinking about the financial repercussions. I am concerned for you. Absolutely. But I do truly genuinely believe without being cringy at all, and I hope this isn't cringy, that being pampered and feeling like you are deserving of being pampered is something that is really important for all of us. Like, we all know people especially women, again, who have always put others first. You know, whether that's sacrificing, whatever it is. Like, we all have stories of our moms or our grandmothers or somebody that we know that always, you know, put someone else first. And usually we hold these people up in our minds or put them on a pedestal like, oh, she always, 
made sacrifices and did this and that for her kids. And, and that's beautiful in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like we are also deserving of nice things for ourselves. And I mean, everything starts with ourselves. So you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. And you have to believe that you are worthy of being taken care of. And I think deep down, a lot of us don't have that belief. Like there was a study that came out. I can't remember where it was, but I swear this is real. That people are more likely to pick up medicine and give the correct dosage of medicine to their loved ones when they're sick versus when they themselves are sick. Usually they don't even get the prescription filled. Like most, some of the time, I don't know, more of the time when you're sick, you won't even go get the prescription filled. But if it's a loved one, you will make sure that you're doing everything right. I mean, that also happens in so many other situations in life. Like think about if you're a parent or when you were a kid, like your mom cooking for you and making sure that you had every you know, balanced meal and whatever, and they would just eat the scraps or the crust that they cut off your sandwich. Like we often put ourselves second or last or whatever. And I guess this embrace of a soft life and this embrace of we, us, the individual as being the most important thing in some ways is, I think, important for probably a lot of us to internalize. Like, yes, you do deserve that getaway. You do deserve to stay at that nice place. You do deserve it because life goes by really fucking fast. And I think a lot of us are guilty of saying that, oh, eventually I'll do this. Or when I when I achieve this thing, when I lose this weight, when I make this money, when I date this person, then I'll treat myself. But unfortunately, most of the time, that achievement might not happen in the way we thought it would. It might not look the way we thought it would look, and we never end up really living our lives to the extent that they should be lived. We end up just kind of waiting around for that eventual accomplishment that never comes. So, yes, I guess what I'm saying is treat yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, or whoever is listening, I know that this is something that I really have to like internalize because I always like daydream about doing certain things and just find that I make up excuses as to why I can't do them right now where I should probably just get in the car and go and do the thing. I mean, who's stopping me? And when we think also, this is the last thing I'm going to say on this subject, but when we think also about, you know, a soft life, a, a glamorous life, a great life, I think traditionally celebrities for the longest time have been our role models for this type of lifestyle. Like they have all the resources. They don't necessarily have to do anything that they don't want to do. But what's so interesting to me now is that this celebrity role model, this concept has really been turned on its head. And not only are we seeing more regular people and more like micro internet celebrities embrace a soft life and become leaders of this luxury lifestyle, this movement, if you want to call it. But we're seeing celebrities continue to ostracize themselves in one way or another on social media or through whatever platform that we consume them through. Like 
Okay, for example, two things. Kim Kardashian starving herself to fit into Marilyn Monroe's dress for the whatever event that was a couple weeks ago. You know, she famously said that she, like, had to lose 15 pounds so she didn't eat or whatever. And then Lori Harvey this past weekend jumping on TikTok and saying that she worked out twice a day and never ate more than 1,200 calories a day in order to achieve her new body. Whereas before she said she just did Pilates and, you know, all the girls started doing Pilates. But it's so... Call me, like, evil. I don't know. But I love, I just relish watching celebrities, like, alienate themselves from regular people. Because, okay, not only, please, like, first of all, do not eat 1,200 calories a day. That is such a dumb... I mean, listen, where do I even begin? As somebody who has struggled with eating disorders and also been obsessed with food and also been a food writer and also my first viral food story I ever wrote was a piece about orthorexia in like 2014 and I was one of the first people that even mentioned this trend like then it wasn't a trend then um I've thought so much and I've dealt so much with this subject in my life. Even when I was in high school and I was a dancer and I was doing ballet and we had a nutritionist and I always wanted to be skinny and this is something that I've I've done every fucking diet. I've done literally every diet. I've done the I'm going to eat whatever I want diet. I've done the I'm a wine writer so I'm, you know, drinking copious amounts of good wine. I've done paleo, I've done vegan, I've done low carb, I've done no carb. I've done calorie restrictive. I've done only eating fucking diet yogurts. I've done juice cleanses. I have done everything. Like trust me when I tell you, I have literally done every diet. Eating 1,200 calories a day is the dumbest piece of advice, not only because you're going to end up binging, it's inevitable, but also because you're, I mean, you're slowing your metabolism down. So eventually, like, if you do choose to eat more, it's going to be a lot easier for you to gain weight. You're also probably just going to be hungry. You're going to... 99% of the time enter into an unhealthy yo-yo situation where something is going to set you off and you're going to eat the wrong food or binge and then you're going to feel bad and it's just not sustainable like you're literally not giving your organs enough calories and probably nutrients also to sustain themselves like is fasting once in a while beneficial for whatever reason for some people yeah is dieting, you know, depending on your situation beneficial? Yeah, people shouldn't probably be super overweight. It's not a healthy way to live. But the concept of like jumping on TikTok <laughs> to tell people that you ate 1200 calories maximum and were working out twice a day and like that's what worked for you, thinking that that's going to be information that goes over well in this climate, in this like hype like I'm not even that woke when it comes to this shit like I'm I'm really not I'm really not even that body positive to be completely honest with you like do what makes you happy but like I don't believe that people should be extremely overweight I believe that people should aim to be healthy I do believe that health you know looks relatively different on different bodies but for the most part like I don't think we should be celebrating obesity I just don't believe that that's smart so I'm not even saying from like 
a super woke perspective <laughs> but like Lori, read the room and the irony also is like she's saying this from her like lamborghini and it's just so obviously like it's just so cringe like i eat it, i love it but for people for celebrities to be constantly showing off how unrelatable they are is just iconic for me but also they're really going against this idea of living a soft life even kim saying that she like starved herself to fit into the dress and i guess meanwhile we have more regular people just kind of hanging up the uniform or whatever of just working hard and grinding to get by and just saying you know what life is hard enough I deserve nice things. I deserve good things. Money isn't real. None of this shit is real. I'm just going to treat myself because I feel like it. Life is short. Fuck everything else. And of course, that message is more relatable. Of course, that's going to sell better. And I guess even to bring it back further now that we're vaguely talking about Kim Kardashian also starving herself, even her whole thing of like going viral when she said everybody needs to get their ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. Well, maybe it does seem like nobody wants to work these days because we're all busy manifesting. (laughs) But also, I mean, obviously read the room, Kim. It's not going to, it's not, it doesn't sound how you want it to sound coming from you. I don't care if you really did something with Skims. I don't care that, yeah, I like watching the Kardashians. They are smart businesswomen. Whatever you believe, if you believe they sold their souls to the Illuminati devil, whatever you believe, I don't care. Yes, they've made money even though they were starting from a place of extreme privilege. But read the room. (laughs) Don't say that. You sound dumb. You sound completely deeply and insanely out of touch. And I just think, I think it's funny. And speaking of unrelatable Kardashian moments, this is probably one of my favorite things that has happened on television in the last few years, at least. And I'm not exaggerating. But Kendall Jenner trying to cut a cucumber on camera and pretty much dislocating her entire body and cutting off all of her fingers. Iconic. Amazing. Because here's this woman trying so desperately to prove that she is just like us, that she hasn't lived the epitome of a soft life where literally everything has been handed to her, where a private chef has sliced up her cucumbers apparently for her entire life. Here she is trying to prove to us that she can be a normal human being and literally cutting a cucumber like an alien. Like, if you guys haven't watched the clip of Kendall Jenner cutting a cucumber on the latest episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, please watch it. And even if it was staged, which is what some people are saying, Kris Jenner's reaction to Kendall cutting this cucumber, which is calling for the private chef, which is, I guess, lurking somewhere in the shadows of the house that they're in, and saying, chef, will you come cut this up for my daughter? She's having some troubles or whatever she said is so fucking funny and I just love I really love these moments of celebrities continuing to try and prove that they're just like us you know that they haven't lived these soft lives where everything has been handed to them 
and that it continues to backfire and make them look even less relatable. I honestly love that because, and I might be stretching it a little bit far here, but as almost everybody continues to be exposed to their 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame, as the internet continues to make fame much, much more, much more accessible and even the concept of what an influencer is continues to change into being something that is much more regular and much more achievable. And just, I think we're in a really weird, but also very interesting time when it comes to fame in the traditional sense versus what fame is becoming now, which is very accessible maybe and also it's almost like fame is becoming so widespread that it is much less significant like when you meet someone who has five million followers you don't even really care anymore at least for me I don't really care like that doesn't even really mean very much and I can't remember if I've touched on this before but like these icons that we've had throughout history these real celebrities, you know, like Princess Diana or Michael Jackson or Prince, like when they passed away, it was a global moment of mourning. In the future and even now, when our favorite YouTube celebrities pass away, it will not be a global moment of war- of mourning because they all occupy different pockets of fame and entertain different audiences. And we're so much more broken up in the the type of media that we consume it's just anyway as fame becomes pretty much accessible to anyone who wants it in my opinion I just think it's so funny that the quote-unquote real celebrities that we have left the mega celebrities that we have left continue to try and prove to us that they're normal failing almost every time and us actual normal people are striving for what they have, which is a life of leisure, of luxury, of softness, which is sitting in your Lamborghini telling people that you work out twice a day and eat 1200 calories. Maybe that's what we're all striving for. I'm kidding, I think. But either way, I guess we'll see how good it can get.